How do we walk as Christians in our daily lives? The letter of James offers us practical lessons on what to say and what to do as Christians. That's why at Bellwether we're doing a series on James and we're calling it Our Walk because we want to walk by faith. We want your Christian faith to change your walk. Scripture, uh, scripture tells us that uh, Jesus, after he rose again, he breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We feel the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. And we pray now that he would convict us of our need for Christ. Uh, he'd speak to us and, and show us things in your word. And he would work in our lives, in our families. Uh, marriages with our children, bring healing where healing needs to happen, bring reconciliation, give us strength, and give us power, supernatural power, power not of this, this world to open doors, to, to bring together people, to bring salvation to nations, to protect us, to let us not walk in fear, but in faith breathing on us right now let us receive your spirit and doing so receive your power which is life thank you jesus in your name we pray amen thank y'all have a seat take your bibles turn to james chapter 5 if uh, you are using one of our bibles in the back it'd be on page uh, 1013 and you're welcome to Take one, use one, take one home. Now, I want to start back with the uh, with this family, uh, the Summerfords. They're they're joining uh, their their baptism. It's a special day uh, in their family's life. Uh, they have many friends and family here. Godparents uh, are here. Roger and Pam Wirtz, who we're going to India together. Uh, Austin uh, Crane, and uh, these are families who are saying, "Hey, we're gonna." live life with you, and help raise this child, John Clayton. So this is a, a special day that we honor them. And I know y'all are like, well, you just you talked about them. Why, why talk about it again? Well, it's important because it ties to us as a church because we try to broaden that and say, well, it is very important for their family, but it's important for our family that we can be one family, the family of Jesus, together, which is why we celebrate people joining, which is why... Other family members, godparents come, and it's a, it's a wonderful day in church. And I say that because I want to ask a question for everyone, uh, the family that we've celebrated today, but our family here. When I just say church, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, you don't have to answer, but, I mean, if you want to, you could throw something out. But if, you, if I say church, what comes to your mind? Uh, it could be, let me, let me use myself for example, when I... When I, I think of church, I, I think a lot of times of the church I was raised in back in Myrtle, Mississippi. Uh, I think of special Sundays 
uh, of baptism, of family members and friends uh, coming together. I think of, of people that helped raise me. I think of a building. Uh, that church had a steeple. Uh, I think of bellwether now. Uh, I think of relationships that are near and dear to me within bellwether. I actually think of a steeple too now. Never thought we'd have a steeple, but God provided, and we do. What do you think of? Often we think of a person or people. We may think of a place. We may think of a season in our lives uh, that was special, or maybe that was hard. I know when I think of church sometimes, and I go to Bellwether, I think of, I think of hard seasons in the life of this church. Some of us may think of uh, bitterness. Uh, if you're here and you have bitterness towards the church, first of all, praise God that you're here. But church uh, doesn't always bring like fond, happy memories. Uh, I know some people, and they're not here yet. I mean, we pray that they will be. That uh, have uh, roots of bitterness that have grown down into their hearts on, on church. Uh, that are angry at church because of things that have happened uh, to them in a church. And, and you know, often, and I, I talked about this Wednesday night at our service, when I think of church, I, often I don't think of Jesus at all. I think of a place, I think of people, I think of relationships, family, which is great, which we love. But, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty here. Often I, I don't even think of our Lord who started the church, who is building the church. And for many of us, too, not only do we not think of Jesus, we don't even think of, of good things. We may think of, hey, man, I, I can grow spiritually. You know, I mean, give me, give me a cup of coffee and give me a beautiful morning sitting by a window and like today. Man, I can just give me a Bible. I can grow. I read Psalms 23 over and over again. Man, I can grow. I don't need church. Church is corrupt. It's messy. And it is. It is messy. You're like, where are you going here? We've been in this series of James. We call it Our Walk. And, and it's literally a how-to manual on, on how to do this Christian life, how to walk as a Christian. We've looked at things like trials, how to walk in trials, how to walk in temptation, how to walk in wisdom, uh, how to walk wisely with our, our tongue and what we say. And I believe today, as we close this series, James closes his letter with how to walk as a church. How to walk as a church. And so he begins to, to tie it up, broaden it corporately. He's like, it's not just about individuals, it's about a group, a people, how we walk, how we do life together. I heard a great quote. I think the gentleman who said it was a guy named Eugene Cho, not that matter, that matters to y'all, but he's a, he's a writer. And he said, I love this line, he said, don't ever go to a church where church to them is simply going to church. Let me say that again. Don't ever go to a church where church to them is just going to church. I love that. And often we live that way. Church is going to church. And we don't go to church, we want to be the church. We want to be the church not only on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday. We want to be the church uh, not only in worship, but celebrating with families special times. We want to be the church uh, in going together to reach nations for Christ. We want to be the church with helping the city and the place where we live 
uh, to grow and see the kingdom here. Jeremiah says, as the city thrives, you will thrive too. I'm going to be the church, not just go to church. But that can be tough. And that's where, why James ends his, his letter talking about how we can be the church. Practically, person to person, individually. So if you're on James 5, let, let's read. And it's going to be about, it's about 13 verses, verse 7 through 20. The end of this letter, James 5, starting, uh, starting verse 7. Verse 7 it says, Be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It's James talking about how to walk as a church. So how, how do we walk as a church? Well, you're like, what does he say? First thing he says, how to walk as a church? In patience. Be patient. Have patience. Now, honestly, patience in, in our, our world today, uh, it's not really looked on uh, very, very good, very strongly. I mean, you know, it's, it's more positive to be like impatient you know hey man i got my goals i got my sales goals i got to achieve this i ain't gonna be patient i ain't got time to wait around i mean patience is for losers we don't say that kind of as chris laughs here we both we both struggle with this thing called patience they say it's you know a fruit of the spirit so they tell us but james is saying to walk the church you got to have patience you gotta have patience you're like, how do I have patience? That's just a general term. Patience in a lot of areas. One, with people. Some of you here uh, are discipling folks. Uh, some of you here have, have people the Lord's brought into your life, and, and you're working on just in relationship, you know, at work or over coffee or at lunch. And sometimes you're like, can they, can they ever get it together? 
I mean, will, will they ever stop doing these things that is just bringing them down? And James says you got to have patience. Some of you wives, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock on us guys, husbands. Some of you wives, like, will he ever, like, lead our family to church on Sunday morning and it not be up to me to get him up between the Saturday night game and the Saints game if it's at 1 o'clock? And, you know, we got this, will he ever take initiative? It's true. I've been there. And James is saying we got to have patience with one another. We gotta have patience. We gotta have patience as, as a church body. And many of us have learned this here. Uh, those of us who've been in the courthouse days, to the Ag Museum days, to the JA days, and some of us are like, man, will we will we ever have a home? Well, we do now, but you know, I was beginning to wonder. And it took some patience. Uh, it takes patience now. I mean, even as we've arrived, patience in how we'll grow. I was talking to two leaders uh, this week over lunch who've been with us since the courthouse days, and he's like, you know, man, it's wonderful to see our church grow, but it's grown in so many different ways with different people, which is wonderful. And even the, the old folks, not old, but been with us, it's like they're having to get used to and grow some patience with, with getting to know new folks, which is good. We have to have patience to, to get settled here into this Community. We want to use this property as a blessing for the neighborhoods. You know, we hold, held a, uh, I don't know, a forum. I don't know what they call it for candidates this past week. I mean, I know there's no politics in the church except church politics. However, you know, we had this deal, and we want to use the space for things like that. We've had movie nights. We're going to do another movie night in December. I actually talked about Lemuria doing book signings here. We're having to have patience to have this church integrate in the life of these neighborhoods. I mean, it's, it's happening, and it will. We have to have patience. Some things just don't happen overnight. How do we have patience individually as a church? I love what James says. He says, establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. Basically, I mean, get your heart right. Make sure your heart is right. Get your heart set. Set in the Lord. Set for patience. We have to have patience in conflict. He goes on, James, do not grumble. We have to have patience. I know some of us, it's hard. We have, you know, this verbal arsonry, uh, not just of darts or arrows, but like missiles, and they are just held back, you know, and we, we can like fire at will. James saying patience. You know, one of my favorite movies is Braveheart. Not that everybody's seen it. You know that scene, Mel Gibson, if you've seen Braveheart, where they're charging and Mel Gibson said, hold, hold, hold. I always think about that with patience. Like, you know, do not fire off. Hold. Don't grumble. Hold. Hold back. Have to have patience. Patience when we're in conflict. And conflict is a given in relationships, in marriages, in churches, because we are all broken human beings. Hold, James saying. Don't grumble. Be patient. We have to be patient in suffering. James goes on. I mean, he's spelling this out for us. In suffering, be steadfast. He even brings up Job. I mean, sometimes we love to throw Job, but we'd hate to be Job. You know, I mean, he wiped out. I mean, it all ended up well and better, but he had to go through 
a lot. Yet I love how James says that even in suffering, you can know the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Patient in our suffering means having faith that, hey, I know all this is for a reason. I know God is sovereign. I know he's in control. I know that things are working that I can't even see. And the Lord's going to bring it out for his good. Steadfast in suffering. And then, verse what is it, 12, I love this. Patient in, in just how we say things. Simple things. Yes and no. Patient in our yeses, patient in our noes. And this is something, this really convicts me, and I think it convicts a lot of us uh, good southern hospitable folks. Uh, for example, I will, I will often say, man, let's get coffee. Or, man, I, I want to have lunch with you. Or, man, you know, we need to, we need to go to dinner. Uh, do I mean it? I'm like, yeah, over the course of like two years, we'll, you know, we'll get together. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, man, we need, to do, we need to do lunch, you know. Yeah, wouldn't I love to get dinner with you? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, sometime, you know, generally. But we're the hospitality state, you know, we got to say that. James is saying, be patient. I mean, let, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Have you ever said a patient yes? Sometimes more important, have you ever said a patient no? A patient, there's great power in a patient no, a soft no. And James is saying we've got to live with integrity. And often we don't live with integrity when we just, we just fire off. You know, we just say things like, you know, without even thinking them through. So we say our yes, you know, without even thinking about it. Or we say our no without thinking about what the consequences are. He's saying be patient even in how we speak to one another. Even those simple words, yes and no. How to walk as a church in patience. Patience leads to something else, though. Patience leads to prayer. Because if you're going to be patient, if you're going to grow the fruit of the Spirit that is patience, we've got to have prayer. And I, I believe James, then he transitions to prayer. And, and this is something, you know, if we've grown up in church like me, if you went to Sunday school like many of us, I mean, we know prayer. I mean, we, we know the deal. We, we know about prayer. And, and we do it well at Bellwether, we could really do it better. I mean, I think every church could do it better. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, often uh, we pray, but we don't always pray the right way. Right, well, well, how? Well, James starts off, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Very simple, suffer, pray. Going through suffering, pray. Know someone going through suffering, pray. But there's so many other ways to pray. I mean, when God calls us to pray, asks us to pray. I mean, he, he's wanting to share our hearts, pour out our hearts to him. So having a good day, like, like no suffering on the radar, pray. Pray in praise. Uh, the majority of the Psalms were prayers, and the ma- majority of them were David rejoicing to God for what he had given, how he had blessed David. Now, a lot of them were, were suffering, but not all. And I, and I love, and I talk to our staff about this, I talk to uh, our deacons about this, I talk to leaders about this. You know, we open all the meetings and prayer requests. We open all the meetings in prayer. But I say, like, look, it doesn't have to be like, well, well this person has cancer. Yes, we got to pray for them. It doesn't always be, well, this family struggled with death. Yes, but it can be like praise at what God has done. 
It can be anticipation, like, man, I cannot wait to see what the Lord will do. I have no idea uh, what the Lord will do, but I'm just thankful for this opportunity to go and to serve. You know, he wants it all. And I, want to, I really do want us as a church to pray and praise more and more. We can pray to one another, as in, like, we can tell someone, hey, man, I need you to pray for me. And this entails a confession. So that means you have to share, not just like, hey, someone's sick, hey, someone's struggling with death, hey, someone's struggling with bankruptcy, hey, pray for this person. No, it means like, hey, pray for me because uh, I'm struggling with bankruptcy. Hey, pray for me because, like, divorce has been thrown out on the table and I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Hey, pray for me because I'm battling this addiction. This is what a lot of us don't do well which is taking off the mask and saying, here's, here's me. Here's me in the raw. And, and I need you, brother, sister, whom I consider a leader in Christ, to pray for me. And that's what James is hitting on when he says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Elders meaning the leaders of the church. Now, I did a, a sermon series uh, about... Church eldership it was about a year ago in November called Witnesses. I did one sermon on, on elders specifically. I encourage y'all, if, if you're members, to go back and listen to this. I'm not going to deal a lot with elders, but James is talking about elders here as leaders of the church and the importance of, of members or non-members to go to the elders, go to leaders, a small group leader, a servant leader, someone you consider a leader and say, pray for me here, I'm sick emotionally, or I'm sick physically. But James saying you have got to be open in the church because there is power in prayer and you got to share your deal. you got to share your stuff with one another. And he's saying, he's saying pray. Now, some of you could go down this verse and say, okay, are you, are you getting like, you know, hokey pokey here with anointing with oil, prayer of faith, Raise them up. What are you trying to say? Are you talking about healings, supernatural healings? Well, let me be clear of this because these couple verses have been uh, very much debated across church history. And whole, whole denominations have like started from these verses. And I think it's key to know, as it says, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Uh, something you should know, when they say oil here, they can mean, and, and we've anointed people with oil. We've done that here as a church, done that in, in house groups, home groups. But many biblical scholars also think it could mean like medicine, like medicine of, of doctors, of physicians. And so we do believe, I mean, I do believe, and I think it's biblical. I mean, the Lord can heal supernaturally by prayer. The Lord could choose to heal by medical means as well. And what James is saying, the prayer of faith, we just have faith that the Lord's doing the work, and if he chooses to heal by prayer or if he chooses to heal by medicine, that's his deal, and we will walk in faith as a church. And it, it could be one or the other. It could be both. So James is saying go to people. You know, let them help you. Let them pray for you. Let them have prayer gatherings around you. But you've got to be open. It's something I stress for myself for our church. And I mean, I, I, 
many of you do it well. I mean, I think Bellwether is a culture of like, we don't really dig masks here. However, you got to continue to emphasize this. Because we all, I mean, you know where we live. You know, I mean, white picket fence, perfect world. You know, we got to say, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm struggling with. He goes on even further. He says, confess your sins to one another. That's even, that's even more so than prayer. It's like just, hey, I've wronged you. Or, or hey, I'm, I'm out of line here. Or, hey, you know, I'm, I've got this thing I'm struggling with and, and it's pulling me down. Help me. The power of prayer. Let me give you one, uh, one quick little story. The church I was growing up in, uh, so I, I went to youth group. We had a, a very vibrant youth group and was raised in it. We had several parents, uh, like our youth group, that served there. We would do youth trips. You know, we would go to camp every summer. Just loved my, loved my, my youth group. And then uh, one, one day, there was a couple who were like leaders in the youth group. I and mean, there were parents too, but they would go with us everywhere. They would like, you know, lead the prayer time, lead the lesson or the devotion, you know, husband and wife, and they, they'd be there. And then one day, all of a sudden, they weren't there anymore. Not only were they not at youth group, they, they weren't at church anymore. You know, I asked mom and dad, I was like, you know, what, what happened to Mr. and Miss? And mom and dad said, well, I remember to this day, we're driving in our station wagon, okay? Yeah, love that. Thanks, dad. And if dad listens to this. And I remember they said, well, Mr. and Miss so-and-so are getting a divorce. And Miss so-and-so is moving out of town. That I was like rocked. This was a, a couple who had been married and been, you know, like going with us on, on youth trips and, and talking and everything. I was like, what's that all about? They look like kind of perfect Christian couple. And I, I say that because that happens all the time. I mean, not necessarily in youth group, hopefully, but it, it happened in youth group here, but. It happens in churches all the time. You've got servant leaders and they're active and everything because, you know, I mean, it's good to serve at church and nobody knows anything. And then just one day, you know, it's like this bomb has gone off and it affects different people and no one has said anything. And that's what happened. And it, it rocked my faith for a season. Like, what is church and divorce? And I struggle to make sense of that. I struggle to make sense of it now. James is saying to walk as a church, you've got to confess. You've got to have people praying for you. You've got to be open. It's, it's, why we, it's why Jesus gave us the church, that we could take off the mask. We're called to make disciples. You know, let me use the word fake. Fake is a polarizing word, but fake people do not make disciples in the church. Fake people just make more fake people. The reason that is because people will see that you're fake and say, hey, well, hey, I know they're kind of shady, but they're looking at, so I can be that way too. Fake people don't make disciples, don't further the Great Commission. They just make more fake people. So James said, don't be fake. Don't be fake in the church. The last thing, walk in church in patience. Walk in church in prayer. Because if you've got to be patient, it's going to lead to prayer. And then walk as a church in power. Because prayer leads to power. We've already been talking about that, the power of prayer. But prayer leads to, to great power, to do things, to, to accomplish things that we 
could not even fathom, but that God does. Power. James closes on this, the power of God. He doesn't say it over and over again. He says patience over and over again. He says prayer in this passage. Then he closes with the power of God. And you're like, I thought he kind of closed randomly. You know, just, he just ended abruptly. You got to stay with James. He closes with power. Power on a couple different fronts. Because prayer leads to power. And then he says, Elijah was this man with a nature like ours. He prayed that it might not rain. And then it rained and the earth bore fruit. But he's saying there's power in prayer. And he's like, but that's still pretty random. I mean, Elijah, he just throws Elijah in there. Why did he do that? There are specific reasons. There's, there's nothing just by coincidence in Scripture. James goes back to Elijah, and the key phrase there, he says, with a nature like ours. Elijah, if you go through 1 Kings where it talks about Elijah, is a very weak man, a very insecure man. Uh, he ran from Ahab and Jezebel. He was the one, he's the guy in the cave that, you know, he's like, well, is God going to, am I going to hear God in the thunder, in the storm? But he finally heard God in a whisper. And James saying, this, this weak man, you know, God used to become this great prophet. He used his weaknesses that God's power, not his power, became more and more abundant where Elijah was even able to go back and confront earthly power in kings and queens. And God was with him. James is saying, in prayer comes this power, this power we don't have on our own, but that God will give us and use through us to, to do amazing things. Again, we can't even fathom. Individually, yes. More so as a church. More so as a church. Because church ultimately is about Jesus. And we can lead groups or lead mission trips. Or we can teach and preach. Or we can lead worship. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus. Jesus wants to use all of us, knitted together as a body. And there is, there is great power in that. And so, I mean, I would ask y'all, like, who is the Elijah in your life? Because we all have Elijahs in, in our lives. And, and listen to this. Sometimes, sometimes the Elijahs can be prophetic and speak truth. And sometimes, and this sounds harsh, but it's true. Sometimes the Elijahs can look pathetic. What I mean by that is that you can have very broken, very, very much people in the world who are pathetic. That God's power just changes. And, and maybe the world's still like, you know, Talks bad about them and all this, but God's using them. Who are the Elijahs that can speak into your life? Do you know who they are? Because the church has to have them. And you have to go to them, confess your sins, but want one another to pray for us. And there is great power. And then last thing, this last couple verse, he says it's power in the church, but it's power outside the walls of church too. Because James says they're, they're people wandering. There are people wandering then in the church. You know, they'll come and they'll grow for a while. They'll be plugged in and then, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're gone or, or maybe they, they backslide into old ways, old habits. Maybe they go off the deep end. We've seen that here. We will see it again. And the church, well, what do we do with these folks? That, does that mean like it's not legit? It hasn't, hasn't took? It's not real? James says, no, you're to go after them. You're, you're to not give up. One of the primary pillars, I love how these pillars, I never thought about this, there are eight pillars. Maybe we need eight key pillars of Bellwether. But one of the primary pillars of Bellwether, one of the primary pillars, John 10, 16, there are others. There are others. All of us are an other, I'm an other, and others, other, others wander. And 
another primary pillar of bellwether is that we don't want anyone left alone. We don't want, we don't want to give up on anybody. Whether you're growing for your season, for a season you backslide, whether you, know, you feel found and all of a sudden you feel lost, as a church, James is saying, don't give up. Never give up on anybody. The Lord, you don't know what he's doing through you, through us. Never give up. So who is it that we have given up on? Who is it that you have given up on right now? And you might need to pick up the phone, or you might need to shoot a text, or you might need to reach out and say, hey, I missed you. Hey, I missed our relationship. Hey, I'd love to just talk. Hey, and in patience with prayer, there's power. Because we've got to be patient to understand what the Lord's doing, and we've got to pray, and God's power will work. And we can be the church, and we can walk as a church. How do you walk as a church? James lays it out in, in patience, by prayer, and we will have power. Now, you're saying, that's great. Where do I start? You start with our Lord and Savior. James, he never names Jesus by name. He just says Lord over and over again. Lord, the purpose of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord is Jesus. You want patience? Go to the Lord. You want to develop your prayer time? Look to the Lord in Scripture. You want power? Go to the Lord. The Lord is Jesus. You want to walk as a church? Think of church in a different way. Think of church as the Lord. It's where we come to serve the Lord. It's where we come to be his body. Go to the Lord. And I just, I'd close with just a couple questions. In the Lord, in the Lord, walking with the Lord, where is he calling you to be patient? Who is he calling you to confess to? Who? In this body, in this house. Who is he calling you to go to and say, man, I, I, I need you to pray for me about this and be specific. And who is he calling you to go after who perhaps have left these walls or think they've left the faith? Where is he calling you to be patient? Who is he calling you to confess to? Who is he calling you to go after? Who is the Lord calling you to do these things? And he is. He is. That's walking as a church. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Convict us to be patient. Convict us to confess, like really confess and share our heart. Share things that we, we are embarrassed of, ashamed of. That's hard. That's especially hard in the culture we live. You call us to it as brothers and sisters of Christ because it grows us, it stretches us, it makes us vulnerable. It makes us say, I can't do this alone. I need the church. I'm not just using the church for a platform or a podium, or a supper club, or, or connections. I need the church. I need you, Lord. And we pray for those who have wandered, we know of. Give us the strength, give us the patience to walk to them and walk with them. Most of all, help us walk as your church, as the Lord's church, as Jesus' church, where people come to know him, love him, serve him, always. In your name we pray, amen.